Welcome to The Driven Entrepreneur, where we sit down with visionaries, trailblazers, and entrepreneurs and discover why and how they do what they do. We'll get the backstory, plus plenty of life and business lessons along the way. Here's your host, Matt Browning. Hello there. Hello. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Matt Browning. Welcome to The Driven Entrepreneur. Of course, we're coming at you so many ways. If you don't know, I haven't recorded uh, an open like this in a little while, so I want to take a couple minutes and just reconnect with you. If this is your first episode, uh, bear with me for a couple minutes. I want to bring some uh, our friends and family and everyone up to date. Uh, If you are a longtime listener, first off, thank you. Thank you so much for subscribing, especially if you rate and review and you're a part of this community we're building here. I really appreciate you. But I want to update everyone on a couple things. One is you might be listening to this in your car. If you are, Hey, I'm so glad. Hopefully, I'll be coming to your town or area at some point. Uh, We just signed a deal a couple weeks ago to pick up national syndication for the show. So we are now on 16 AM FM stations from coast to coast, literally, uh, from Long Beach all the way to Jacksonville, Florida, and a few places in between. Um, It's an amazing, amazing time to be alive. It's an amazing time to share insights, wisdom, and most important, stories. You know, I think the thing that keeps us so like human, like what our human condition is, is we like, unlike any other animal in the world, we tell stories and we make meaning out of our stories. And this week, you know, is no exception. Uh, as you listen to this, we're on the heels of Easter. And as I record this open, it's actually a few days early. So as I record this, we're going into Easter Sunday. And if you know me, you know, I, um, I love entrepreneurship, love leadership. I love speaking and I love faith. Those are all, you know, part of uh, of our life. Uh, my wife and I, my son. This is who we are. So Easter Sunday is a big deal. It's kind of I call it the Super Bowl of church life. It's one of the big Sundays, and I'm excited because this Sunday uh, I have the honor and the privilege, and really just like the the service. <laughs> is that the right way to say that? The 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 heart of service of being able to bring a message to one of our campuses for Easter, and that's it's a big deal because bringing a message of, of hope and encouragement, you know, you never take it lightly, but especially, you know, when, when it's the time when so many people are maybe visiting for the first time or coming with a family member that they haven't stepped foot into a church for a long time. I think it's just, it's an honor. And it's so awesome to be able to speak in just an authentic way what it means. So I want to take just a minute or two and share with you what Easter means to me. And you tell me if you relate to this or not. Now, just so you know, regardless of your faith background or belief, uh, I think this this message really speaks to all of us. And um, of course, I'll, I'll be putting it through my faith lens uh, in God, but I want you to just hear this for what it's worth. So for me, I think Easter is is really a message for all of us. You know, we talk about, you know, it's it's the resurrection. If you're not familiar with the story, it's the the third day after Jesus got crucified, he was buried, left for dead. Everyone knew he was dead. I mean, think about this story, man. It's crazy. You know, they they beheaded his probably his best friend, John the Baptist. Uh, they were persecuting him and all the disciples. They put an end to his ministry. They put an end to his life for goodness sakes. They buried him. They they got rid of you know the body. They buried it in a tomb. They were putting an end to everything he and all of his followers stood for. And like when you look at that on first glance, 
man, how many times have we come to a moment in our lives when it feels like it's the end, right? It feels like you can't figure out a way out. You, the, the dream, the thing you think you're supposed to be doing is dead. You don't have a way. You don't have anything. And it's done. Easter Sunday to me is about realizing that it's never over because we can believe in a God of part two. You see, sometimes we think in life that, you know, the whole story has already been told, you know. Do you relate to that? The whole story has been told. Everything we're doing right now, it, it's as we think we can see the entire picture. And if you think you can see the entire picture and you think, wow, it was great. I went through this hard time. I scratched, I clawed. This is terrible. And now here I am. Here I am in the, in, in the end game and, and it's not good and it's hurting. And it's not what I thought it was going to be. I want to remind you that you might just be at the end of part one. You might just be at the end of part one. And guess what? God is a God of part twos. And that's what Easter is about. It's about the resurrection of not just Jesus, but it's the resurrection of all of our lives. It's, it's the part two. It's, you know what? Yeah, I've been beat down. Or yeah, this didn't work out. Or yeah, I, I fought and I scratched and I clawed. It didn't work. I thought it was going to be different than it is now. And here I am. But I just want to remind you in a real simple way this morning as we get into the show this week, that if you feel like you're at the end, you might just be at the beginning. It might be the end, but it's only the end of part one. And you might be at the beginning of part two. And I'm so excited for your part two. That's a really brief uh, version of, of what, I, what Easter means to me and why I love it so much. It just It's such a great reminder and it's such an important day uh, in, in my life and hopefully in yours too. Also, um, there's a lot of chocolate and bunnies and Easter eggs, and those are also awesome. All right, let's get into the show this week. The show this week, uh, this is a really cool one. I have a guest this week named Chris Burns, and Chris is called also Mr. Heartfire, also known as uh, by the people who love him dearly. This guy, I've known Chris for a lot of years, and you know, he, he started off as, as, as a coach, uh, he did a lot of personal development work, and you know we were in some of the same circles for quite a long time. And um, I remember meeting him for lunch one day, quite a few years ago. I was actually meeting a friend, and he came with him. And you know we just sat and we talked, and and Chris was you know wanting to figure out what was next for him. And I didn't know who he was at the time. And we ran into each other a couple of years later, and he is just he's out there crushing it. You know, he, one of the biggest things he does, and I think this is what, why I wanted to interview him today, is he's all about accountability and breakthrough. You know, he encourages people to be their best, achieve higher levels of personal, professional performance. Um, and, and Chris has an interesting story. He hit rock bottom at a really early age, and he, and he and I talk quite a bit about this. You know, we, um, we get into, you know, some of our stories, you know. Um, I sit down and, you know, he over, talks about overcoming a troubled and a party-centered teenage life. And we both talk about that because I had that, as, you know, for my struggles as well. And having to give up drugs, drinking, partying, all that stuff and finding self-worth. And, you know, he also shares how hard it was to fit in and what it means to find community. Because, you know, we both have found in our own right a uh, community that we, we lead, but also community that we're a part of. And how important that is for self-worth and, and identity. We talk about letting go of shame and guilt from hitting rock bottom. Uh, you know, he, he shares openly about what getting arrested meant for him and, and how to put the past behind you, even though it's still part of you, right? So it's, if, if you ever are struggling with 
you know, you have a past, you have a story, maybe you're not proud of it, but how do you, how do you walk through it to a new chapter, acknowledging it, but at the same time, not living in it, if that makes sense. We, you know, we talk a lot about that and our, our interview takes a huge turn in that direction. Um, we talk about how each of us can choose to make our stories mean anything. So why not choose an empowering meaning? And then towards the, the second half of the interview, we get into a little bit of some cool business strategies and ideas. One of the things Chris does, he's interviewed over 500 inspirational role models, influencers, and leaders. He does a weekly, get this, 12-hour live stream marathon podcast. It's called Becoming Your Greatest Possible Self, or GPS, Greatest Possible Self. Isn't that cool, right, GPS? And he, what he does is he does them on Facebook. And he does a 12-hour marathon. And over 12 hours, he talks about how he sets up each hour. He has nine different guests over the 12 hours uh, for one day a week come on and do this crazy marathon day of training. And what's brilliant is the marathon's awesome. So you get a ton of, so again, like on the business side, how to build community. You have people that are always engaging it and they can jump on all day long. Um, says, you know, some people just leave it streaming. They leave their phone or their computer just on for the whole day. Or some people tune in for different sections. They might tune in for the goal setting, um, uh, meditation part in the first hour, or they might tune in for a particular interview or guest that they're excited about. But nonetheless, it allows them to build a great community and, and quite a list, right? And get a lot of views throughout the entire day because it's a live stream. But then he also talks about this brilliant strategy. And if you're in the podcast world or if you're looking to build more content for yourself in, in your business, it's a great idea. He takes this now and you can, of course, you know, he downloads the entire video and then he can chop them up into different segments. So he has nine different podcast episodes with nine different interviews. And then you can chop those up further and have individual, you know, five minutes or a few minutes here and there. So he does a great job with uh, uh, repurposing content getting a ton of interviews. Like I said, at this point, he's done over 500 inspirational role models. Um, the guy's amazing. He's, like I said, he is, he's Mr. Heartfire. You'll know why within a couple of minutes. He's exciting. He shares openly about his past, his stories, but he also is very, very optimistic and positive and courageous about the future and what it means uh, for all of us. So without any further ado, welcome my guest this week on episode 118, Mr. Chris Burns. Dude, we finally made it. That's right. <laughs> I have been uh, I've been waiting for this, and it's funny. So before we went on recording, uh, it's you do so many interviews. I do so many interviews, and we had uh, well, I had my wires crossed. I thought I was on yours. I'll be on yours later. You're on mine today. So thanks for the flexibility, man. As we as we get ready and got set, um, I'm stoked. So. Mr. Chris Burns, like you are the GPS guy. You're the greatest possible self guy. Um, first off, welcome to the pod. How you doing? Doing amazing, man. Amazing. Just blessed to be alive. And my goodness, Matt, you are, you're doing amazing things. And, you know, for everyone, everyone who's listening right now, life can change in, in an instant, you know? And I think that the big thing is just stay tuned throughout this interview because Matt is full of wisdom. I'm full of wisdom and you never know what you're going to get. So stick around till the end. Dude, full of wisdom. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. quite the accolade, right? <laughs> quite the accolade. So you've been, you've been on a really crazy, awesome trajectory. Um, as I talked about in, in the open for everyone, you know, you have been crushing it in the podcasting space, interviewing space, um, and you're just growing by leaps and bounds. You're launching a new mastermind community. You're like, you're 
you're one of the, how do I say this just the right way? You're one of the fresh faces that mm-hmm. has been around for a while, but is also a breath of fresh air in the coaching and expert industry. Um, because you've been like, you know, you, and we'll talk about your story a little more, but you've been studying and, and working at your craft and who you are and, and you've put the time in just with yourself kind of before you quote unquote launched. Right. And then, so it seems like you've kind of come on the scene in the last year and a half, two years, but the truth is you've been working at this for a long time. And uh, so I just want to commend you that you didn't take a class 10 years ago and then turn into a coach. (laughs) You have been working at the craft of you and it and helping people. And now you've really come on the scene. So uh, I'm stoked to be able to sit down with you. Um, Let's start at the beginning. Sure. So where did you grow up? You're in San Diego now. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm in San Diego now. I grew up in the Inland Empire. It's a Chino, Pomona, Ontario area, Riverside kind of area. And uh, yeah. From Riverside at the end, like Riverside. Riverside, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't even mention San Bernardino. San Bernardino. (laughs) (laughs) Barstow. No, no Barstow. Uh, Right. Because I grew up in Orange County. So it's always, we always, there's that funny thing, right? It's like, well, there's the Inland Empire and then there's Orange County and there's LA and, and, you know, depending on where you're from. So what was that? Did you grow up out there just as that's where everyone was? Did you find yourself, a lot of people move uh, into the Inland Empire because of economics. I find that often, right? You know, hey, I can buy a house out here, but we, my family can't get a house uh, somewhere else. Did you have like, did you move out there? Did you like born, raised, grew up there? Yeah. Born, born, raised, grew up. I went to Cal Poly Pomona. Um, oh, cool. So very, very close commute. I think it was like 20 minute drive, you know, from, from home. And, uh, it was there till about 24 and then moved to Orange County, Costa Mesa area for, for two years and then moved down to San Diego. Dang. How long have yeah. you been in San Diego now? Uh, just since March, March of this year. Oh, okay. So you got a fresh move too. I mean, totally. more or less. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. we were, I mean, we were almost, yeah, I guess we were in Costa Mesa at the same time. Cause I just moved from Costa Mesa, Orange County yeah, uh, to Grand Rapids is most of the, everyone's heard already. I don't want to bore my stories, but <laughs> two weeks into the move. Um, and I'm, man, I'm, I'm missing Southern California in some of the ways, right? Mm-hmm. Just the weather, the sunshine, but I don't miss the traffic. I don't miss a lot of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, what brought you to Orange County? Um, I knew that I wanted to get closer to a metropolitan area and from, from Chino growing up there, it was really the suburbs and, and very quiet. And I had to drive to, I wanted to go closer to the ocean, to, to more LA area, more Orange County area, more San Diego area. And me and my best friend, we started creating and manifesting a house. We started saying, Hey, we're going to live in this legendary house and here's what it's going to have, you know, big driveway, plenty of space. It's going to feel amazing. Great energy in the place. People are going to love coming over, yada, yada, yada. So we sat down and, and created that for about six months. And then all of a sudden we found it, felt it was a, the right time to move and everything was happening perfectly. And we found this legendary house and moved out together. And I was living with him and, and his fiance for a while and, and a roommate. And it was just awesome. Really, really great opportunity and experience. Now, did you grow up in, uh, in the Pomona area? Did you grow up with mom, dad there? Was yep. it yep. Uh, yep. both of them together? Yep. Yep. Mom so, and dad have been together for, I want to say like 30, 30 ish years. Um, so it's a, it's a really, really solid foundation of a, of a role model, you know, role, role modeling my, my parents in that, that faith in their, in their relationship, faith in their, um, spirituality, born and raised Christian. And hmm. I, went, I went atheist for a little bit. Cause I was like rebelling and saying, screw, screw everyone, screw parents, screw the world. And I got this on my own man kind of thing, just cause I was really insecure and, and lost, you know, it was a, a part of my, my journey too. But yeah, it was, it, they're just such a, a great set of role models to look up to. 
what was the age time frame that you started? Like, was it 13, 14 or was yep. it? Yep. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I was like, I, I moved to a new school district and I had like seven people who I knew in the entire school from, from the old school that I, I went to. Um, and so I had to make whole new friends. And I made that mean that I was a, a loser. I was a loner. I had no social skills and it was just really difficult for me to, to meet people. And I, I felt like I attracted nerds and geeks and I was, you know, just that kind of outcast. And I was constantly trying to prove myself that I was enough, that I was worthy to be a part of the, the cool crowd. I got to say, I relate a lot. Mm-hmm. So I'll bet you probably hear almost every day when you share that story, and I'm sure you've shared a version of that story uh, a few times. Mm-hmm. Um, when you share that story, do you get a lot of people going, I can't imagine, I can't see you being an introvert. I can't see you being shy. Yes. Um, <laughs> and you just have to, t- so I, I get that all the time, right? You know, cause you're not, you know, we're up on stage, we're up in front of yeah. the microphone doing all this stuff. And man, I'm like, trust me, ask my mom. If you yep. could see me in high school, I had one friend in high school, you know, because yeah. um, I, I uh, and again, like, I don't want to share all my stories because people have heard those. But, um, you know, share, story I share a lot is in high school, you know, I was going through, I went to, got kicked out of two schools, went to my third one in handcuffs wow. and was, you know, like had, you know, drugs and alcohol and had that, that challenge. And, mm-hmm. and I got sober at around 17 years old, just a couple months before and completely done by early 17. So that the reason I did that though, is I don't believe that I had really that addictive of a nature, right? I don't believe I had a disease. What I believe is that I had exactly what you did, which is I got to figure out how to fit in. I don't fit in. I'm not smart enough for these guys. I'm not Mm. tough enough for those guys. I'm not good enough at sports, Mm. but these skater stoner kids, I can hang out with them. (laughs) You sort of like when you're going down that rebellious side, the, the, the negative side, so to speak, was that really, was it the pull was fitting in or what was it for you? Yeah, it was, it was fitting in. And I think that what, what causes us to want to fit in, I think, is a sense of not belonging, a sense of I'm not worthy enough. And for me, I, I just felt like nobody got me. Nobody understood me. So I had to, it's almost like I had to do it to just find friendship, find common ground. And then when I started getting into partying and drugs and that kind of phase of my life, I found that I was able to relax. I found found that I was able to let go of all the tension, the stress and the anxiety that I didn't know how to effectively deal with or communicate about or anything like that. So that's when I found that I was like, Oh my God, I'm free, you know, going to go to raves and dancing my, my face off. You know, like I was, I was free to do whatever I wanted. And there was no judgment in those environments. So for me, it was like, wow, finally, I feel like I can, I can take off this burden that I've been carrying that, you know, my parents don't get me. I I feel kind of weird and awkward, you know, even with my friends, I feel like I don't understand what love is like, I don't, I don't get it. And it was just a kind of a, a freeing feeling to escape from my lack of ability to communicate and, and deal with it. So so as you started feeling free, would you say that was like the first time that you really felt like a, a real sense of say either community or belonging, or did you, like, if you look for it, did you ever have that as a kid anywhere? So like I had, scouts or something. Yeah, or? No, I, I played, I played sports, but I always felt like, like uh, for hockey, right. I played hockey, roller hockey, all four years of, of high school. And I always felt like I, I didn't quite belong in it. Like um, these aren't quite my people, you know, there's something, something off about it. But whenever I went back to play video games at home, like video games was my thing, you know, like I I play for hours and hours and hours and I, I would be able to be behind a wall 
of video games and I'd be able to talk trash to people online. I'd be safe. I'd be able to, you know, be fulfilled and get my hit of, you know, dopamine or whatever else is going on chemically in my body when I'm winning and succeeding at video games. So it's like, oh my God, it's the ultimate thing. Like nobody judges me. The, I'm, the, I'm the hero in the story. Like life is perfect when I'm in this video game and I can die as many times as I want and nothing will happen to me physically. Wow. Well, what a virtual profile too, right? So yeah, yeah. Be whoever you want and you don't yeah. have to be in mom's basement kind of thing. Did you watch Ready Player One? Yes. Yes. What'd you think of that? <laughs> I loved it. I yeah. loved it, man. <laughs> Did you relate to that? Totally. Totally. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like that, that how he's like the hero in the movie, you know, he, it, this un, unspoken hero, the, the reluctant hero kind of thing, how he steps into that. That was always what inspired me. It's like in real life, I'm this wimpy, shrimpy little kid who like, you know, like they got nothing going for me. And then when I step into a video game, it's like, heck yeah, you know, I'm the legend. And that was, that was something that always inspired me. And I know translated into my, my career now and, and helping people be able to share their message on my show, on my 12 hour marathon. I love being able to celebrate people as a hero and say like, you're awesome. You're incredible. Thank you for the work that you're doing. Get it out to more people. I think, I think you can relate to that. The, the ability to put other people in the spotlight because you know what it feels like to not be in the spotlight and how much pain and suffering that that, that caused. So when you get to highlight people, it just like brings a sense of, of euphoria to you and, and correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, I, I completely agree. There's, there, there's something really, really true to the human heart, mm. which is like, you know, when you look at, I talk about leadership a lot. When you look at just leadership as a general idea, mm. it has nothing to do with you. Right. And everyone's so focused on being a better leader. Who can I be? It's like tomorrow's leader, today's leader is not about who am I? It's about who are the people who I lead? Who are the people that I'm influencing and helping? And can I get them on my shoulders? Right. Can I push them into a new place? Um, you know, I look back in, you know, 80s, 90s, and I feel like I'm a radio station, 80s, 90s, and today. <laughs> 90s and even the 2000s, it, you know, 2018 as we record this, it's crazy, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, but the 80s, 90s leader was very much like, hey, I've risen above. Mm. So now I need someone to help me. So I'm going to be your manager. I'm going to be yeah. your boss. And you're not going to usurp my power, right? You're not going to pass me up. So when people start to, and I saw it in personal development a lot too. Yeah. Some of the old school and, you know, not naming any names or anything. I'm not bashing, but like some of the old school personal development uh, teachers and seminar people, it was this thing where it's like, you can be as great as you can unless you're going to become close to me. Mm. then I'm going to put you out of business so I can stay on top. Right. Wow. And I think today it's such a different and, and hence when I opened up the interview and I said, you're such a breath of fresh air, Chris, cause you're this guy who's like the only reason and correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like one of your beliefs would be the only reason I'm doing as well as I am is because I'm boosting so many people up. Totally. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what you're so, so you, so you, you um, you're in high school, mm -hmm. you're going through this phase, mm -hmm. you're working through what was, Kind of what happened next? Was there a moment when, was there a blinding flash of the obvious? Was there a rock bottom or was it, I don't know, some people don't have that story. Some people it's just, wait a minute, what am I doing? I should probably stop this. <laughs> what happened for you that went from like raves and parties and mm. all that to hang on, like I got to figure my life out. Yeah. Well, How old were you? I, I was, I was 21 and, and I have a belief that in life, life attempts to teach you a lesson gently at first. <laughs> like, <laughs> Hey, you know, this isn't quite working out for you. You might want to choose something else. And I, I got that lesson multiple times, got arrested uh, multiple times, nothing ever serious on my record. Thank God. Um, but one of the times, the final time 
was I was at a rave and I sold ecstasy to an undercover cop. And, uh, I went to jail for two days and uh, again, nothing, never on my record. Thank God, you know, praise, wow. praise some, some, I got an angel looking out for me somewhere. Um, but the charges were dropped case was dismissed. But while I was in there, um, I didn't know what was going to happen. I, I had no idea where I was going to go. I didn't know. I, I could have been in there for months for all I knew, but I just felt like this, this feeling that I was the biggest disappointment on the face of the planet because of how much my parents had done for me. They put me through college. They, they gave me and my, my sister, you know, just about anything we asked for within reason, or they taught us how to go get it. You know, they said, you know, we're not going to give that to you, but here's how you go get it. We're, we'll put our heads together with you and support you and make sure that you go get it. And, you know, after going through electrical engineering school and getting my degree, my bachelor's degree, like I just, I felt like I had so much potential but I was throwing it all away. I was just making stupid, foolish decisions. Right. And so having to, to t call my parents and tell them where I was, you know, I just, I, I just felt like my heart rip open. You know, I, th I think it was in that moment where I remembered what love was because it was, it would only be from, from the loving parents that only the power of love would be able to penetrate how much of a disappointment I was on, on paper, <laughs> you know, like, like how, how much I was screwing up for my parents to still, still say, Hey, Chris, we're going to get through this. We got your back. Like we're, we're going to figure this out. So after getting off the phone call, I went back to my, my bunk and I was like writing. And luckily I had some, some training and journaling and gratitude and stuff like that up to that point and self-reflection to write and say, what am I going to do to make sure that I never wind up in this place again? What got me here? You know, what were the things that I, I did? What were the, the slips along the path, the small little missteps that wound me up in this kind of rock bottom situation, um, potentially throwing away my life forever? You know, like I, at, that, at that point, that was still a possibility. Well, you were on and, a trajectory, certainly, right? And it's like, yeah. all it is is one decision after another. And all of a sudden, a guy just like you could have been 25 yeah. and now getting his first felony or, yeah. get, you know, or, or overdosing or whatever it is. Yeah. But you made, you made a small decision to shift right. and then that put you on a whole new trajectory. What was, what, what was the, the, the most emotion that you felt? Like maybe not, not like when you're in jail for the two days, right? Making the call. Mm -hmm. Cause that might be all, you know, maybe obvious, but afterwards, like, like within the next week or so, what, what were the prevailing feelings that you were walking through or the prevailing thoughts? Yeah. Yeah. So I knew that I had to get my life back on track somehow, you know, and I felt that support from my, my parents and my family saying, Hey, you better figure this out. You better start taking some new actions. You better like get back on track. So I had this, this fire under my butt to, to get back on track. So I started going to Toastmasters. I started looking for, for Toastmasters clubs to join, to go and start speaking and developing my speaking leadership ability. I started Wait, so this going, is, sorry to interrupt, but this is like right away. So yeah, you like you yeah. come back from the jail time, right? The well, two days. I, I I did it because I knew if I don't do something now, then it could. If if a court case court date comes up and I haven't started taking new actions, that could potentially land me back in jail. Wow. Okay. So yeah. th so this was actually part of. I love this. So it wasn't just changing you, but it was like your strategy to starting a new life, to making that intervention in your life happen was taking real tangible outside actions. Like I'm going to join Toastmasters. I'm going to yes. go learn how to public speak. Not because I want to be a public speaker necessarily, 
but was it about that or was it about developing you and, and doing something positive? And That's right. I, I wanted to look good on paper. I wanted a good resume to show to the, <laughs> to the judge. Like in all honesty, like I, I was like, okay, Chris, strategically, what is the best thing that I could possibly do? And it's to start volunteering, start, um, you know, getting involved in organizations that have me look like a good citizen, a good Samaritan. So that's why I started and really committed to those paths. So what else were you, were you doing besides Toastmasters? Yeah. So at that point I was doing tons of personal development. Like I, I basically there wasn't much else, you know, I was, I was like trying to figure out my life. I was, I had joined a network marketing company, but there wasn't anything to show from it. I was struggling financially with that. Like it, it was, it was really difficult. Um, but Toastmasters was the big thing and then volunteering and then doing personal development, reading books, listening to people like Jim Rohn, Les Brown, Tony Robbins, you know, listening to the, to the greats and studying those people and then finding out like, who am I? I'm, I'm journaling. I'm, writing practices of gratitude, reading, just like studying. How do I become the best version of myself? And that's really diving into personal development head first. And you're only 21 this time, 21, 22, right? Right. That's phenomenal. And I think, and one of the other reasons why I relate so much, how old are you now? I'm 27. Right. So 27. And so I'm 38 as, as we're talking now. So it's like this, this is literally like 10 years ago. So similar of a path where, you know, I get sober, um, I start turning my life around and then I'm finding personal development first through 12 step programs at like 17, 18, 19. And then by 20, I think it was 22. I went to my first seminar wow. and Tony Robbins, mm-hmm. but it was like, here you are, you know, you're 21, 22 years old and just diving in. Just think about how many, the past generations for listening to this, you know, our parents and our grandparents, they didn't have the luxury of probably any personal development, or if they did, it wasn't until they were 40, 50, you know, 60, they're starting to, Oh, maybe I could do something new. Right. How many, I'm sure how many older people came to you at that time and said, Oh, I wish I was figuring this out when I was your age. Dude, (laughs) so many, so many (laughs) like in in seminars. They're like, Oh my God, every day. You're so blessed to be here. Like keep on your track, keep going. Yeah. I'm 58. And you know, now my kids are all grown. I wish I came. And and it's weird to hear that because for people like you and I, I guess like we, I don't really know any different. I don't know what my life would look like. I, I, I could not imagine had I never done any personal development, never looked at who I am and why I do what I do. Mm. If I just kind of kept on drinking and kept on just, you know, drugging and just doing my life. And then all of a sudden I wake up and I'm 40 and, and the wreckage that I've caught, like, I don't know what that would even be like. And I'm just so, so grateful. Did you realize how important it was at the time or how long did it take until you kind of, and I'm sure you're still going to have more realization as time goes on, but mm-hmm. how, how long did it take of doing personal development until you kind of looked back and went, whoa, like this is, this didn't have to happen. Mm. You know what I mean? Like yeah. this was a blessing. Yeah. That's that. I love that you said blessing. I just got chills because for a while it was shame and guilt. And I'm mm. so like, why, why me? Why did this happen to me? Why did this happen on my path? And, and what's I, this? When you say this, what kind of this is are you talking hitting, about? Hitting rock bottom, hitting rock bottom, getting arrested. So I the blame, shame of yeah, the negative. Yeah, exactly. Like I blame myself. Like that was, that was an emotional scar for me that I was so, so ashamed of. I, I hated that it happened to me and it made me feel like inadequate around other people. It made mm-hmm. me feel like, how, who am I to, to come up and share about personal development and, and be a coach and, you know, like share this stuff with people. Like I felt so 
so, so much like an imposter, so much like a, a fraud, you know, like just that, who am I to come up and, and share this stuff with people? And um, it was just really hard to come to terms with that. But as time went on, I would say it was probably about three years, three years or so, I, I went through some um, different courses, different personal development courses that gave me the ability to create a clean slate from myself um, intellectually with my heart, you know, like being able to create in language that it's, it's just something that happened. It's just a circumstance. It, it's right. just something along the timeline and I get the ability to make it mean whatever I want. So what do I want to now make it mean? And so I had to keep, I'd say I probably was going through that process at some level, but about three years in is when I really started to feel free from that event and, and that I, I, wow, you know, it was something that happened to me and I can use that to relate to people rather than it being a burden on me. So, so about a three-year term, which, which, which kind of, you know, makes sense. Um, so again, like, you know, sitting here talking with you and I think there's going to be a lot of people who certainly relate to not being able to let go of the past easily. Mm -hmm. Um, thinking that the past defines us thinking that it creates who we are. Mm -hmm. And there's, I mean, I just want to unpack kind of what you said or what I heard was just so, so powerful because when you look at what we've been through, we can either live in the past, we can live in the present, but it's harder said or done than said, right? Mm -hmm. To say, oh, just live in the present moment, let go of your mistakes, let go of the past. Um, because the reality is if we still believe they're going to define us and almost more like in a spiritual sense and, and growing up, uh, you, you know, you'll know the, the language and whatnot, but um, you know, my wife and I have been volunteer pastoring a church for the last year and a half. And most people know that story. I think you know that. So, for me, a big part of my story has come to grips that, man, a price has already been paid. I don't need, like, that's not who I am. Yeah. That's a mistake that happened. I can be forgiven for it. Um, I can learn a lesson from it mm. and I can bury it, right? Like it is now done. I don't need to keep paying the price over and over again. It's one of the, that guilt and that shame of not, of, of thinking that we have to keep paying a price mm. because, well, if I made all those bad choices, I feel, I mean, I used to feel so guilty for prosperity, mm. so guilty for receiving blessing, right? Yeah. To think, oh, well, I messed up over here and now I have a nice car or I treated all these people terribly or I had horrible relationships. There's more than one probably female on the planet who has interacted with me over you know, my life before I met my wife. Mm -hmm. Many of them probably think I'm a great guy. Probably quite a few are like, well, I think you're less than a great guy. <laughs> And then it's hard to look at my relationship now after 10 years and say, like, I deserve this, you know, mm -hmm. I deserve the, the awesomeness that our marriage has become and who yeah. we are and my family. And like, I have family values today, even if I didn't have them at 23, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I still deserve to have them now because I'm loved and because I'm, I'm born that way. Well, know? it's, it's, it's all, it's all created, you know, you get to create your reality. And mm -hmm. I think one of the best abilities that we have as human beings is the ability to transmute something into something else, right? Some, some negative or a, a trauma or a pain into a gem, into a, a opportunity, into a wisdom, a pearl of wisdom. And I, I believe it's our obligation when we do that thing, that, that um, transmutation, that we share that. We share it's that with word too. our yeah. obligation. Why did it you is. use obligation? Because I, I believe it. as human beings, it's selfish to not share it. As human beings, mm -hmm. we live on this planet. We were put here for a reason, whatever that reason is, whatever our purpose, whatever our life path, our destiny is, whatever we want to call it. 
It's our obligation to show up as our greatest possible self, to use our talents. You know, there's, there's the parable of the, the talents, right? Like, like so one's given one and then they come back with one and it's like, Hey, you know, like you didn't do anything with these talents uh, or I don't, I don't know the specifics of it, but you know, yeah, one, of them, one, you is buried given, it. Right? <laughs> one of them is given multiple and then they come back multiplied, right? Five yeah. and it comes back 10, whatever it is. So I believe it's our obligation. It's our duty as human beings to be given this potential and then to execute on its, on its flourishment, on its, you know, flourishing on its unfoldment, on nurturing them to be able to make the maximum impact possible, not just on our life, but on the people around us lives. Because when we do that, when we serve others around us, when we give those, those benefits to the people around us, it comes back to us multiplied as well. So cool. So, and that segues me perfectly into what you're doing now, because that's a, a, a big way that you do that mm-hmm. is through your, um, I don't know how, how to call that is your coaching, your marathon uh, yep. sessions. Yep. Um, h- how do you phrase that? It's a 12 hour live stream personal development marathon. Oh, that's, that was the word I was looking for. 12 hour live stream, personal development marathon, right? And you do these on Facebook, um, you drop them onto your podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I want to talk a little bit about it. And then if I can, I want to pick your brain on the business side of it too. Sure. Um, and how that works. Cause this is the purpose driven entrepreneur, which is really all about uh, everyone that's part of the nation here is, is loving, obviously developing ourselves, but also we're always looking for, okay, how do I improve, um, you know, success, business factors and so forth. So where did the idea come from to, of all the people in this landscape, basically here's the structure. Everyone does either a single or multi-day live workshop. Mm-hmm. People do a 90 minute webinar where they teach and then sell something or there's the podcasters and the bloggers, which basically do what we're doing. You interview someone and then you drop the interview, you know, onto a subscription platform like iTunes. And that's the end of it. Where did a 12 hour live stream personal development marathon idea come from? So it was about a year and a half ago, February, 2017. And me and my business partner were figuring out how do we generate more income? You know, coaching's it's, it's getting us by it's paying the bills. And so, so what were you doing at the time? What kind of coaching and, and what, like, what was the structure or what was, yeah. so the thought. structure was just one-on-one, one-on-one coaching month to month or three month agreements with people and focusing on accountability performance, you know, just making sure that people are empowered in their, in their mindset. It was a lot of mindset, lifestyle, business gotcha. coaching. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so at that so point, accountability breakthrough, one-on-one coaching, yep. you said to get out, find more revenue and reach yep. more. Cool. Yep. So, and so we, I know I had, I had an audience probably, I think at that time about 3,500 friends on Facebook. And so me and my business partner were like, Hey, you know, I have this Facebook thing and Facebook live was, was coming out. And we said, okay, you know, I want to, I want to reach these people on Facebook live. What do we do? And so I went to an, an old coach of mine and he had a, a $3,000 program and he said, Hey, you know, for everyone who signs up for this program, you'll get half. I was like, cool, you know, awesome. Let's, let's put the word out there. Let's do some Facebook lives. And so me and my business partner started um, creating an event and started registering people with their information for an upcoming webinar that was going to happen. And about two days before the webinar, I think we had like 30, 30 registrations or something like that. You know, we're like, we want more. <laughs> We've got yeah. to pack this thing. This is such a, you know, great deal. The coach is awesome and we get this awesome commission on it. So we said, what, what can we do to really get people's attention? And we said, let's do like a show and, and interview this coach. And so we said, okay, this is going to be like an hour, two hours long. What do we want to do here? And we said, 
no, it's hour, two hours. It's like not enough. We want to get more people's attention. It needs to be <laughs> more epic. So we said, well, what do we want? Like four hours, eight hours? And it's like, no, nah, that's probably been done before. <laughs> we said, what was it like? Well, 12 hours? Yes, we're doing 12 hours. Let's go. And so the, I think it was like the very next day we said, we're doing a 12 hour marathon and uh, we know we're going to interview this coach. At the end of the day, we're going to announce it all day. We're going to teach people throughout the day for, you know, it was just me and my business partner. We had people call in the first one. And we had, I think, I want to say like 6,000 views on the first one, hundreds of comments and engagement. It was like really, really great. So wow. We said, so we, we just did, kept on going. Just Yeah, we, we did the webinar. We did the webinar and we're like, okay, that was cool. And was it now just what? the two of you? So you and your business partner and then interviewing the one coach? Yes, yes. The whole, so we're all three of you on the whole time or did no, you guys no, it was, it back was, and forth? Yeah, it was me and my business partner jumping on on and off. Like he would come in, I would so come in. you go pee and eat and stuff? Right, right. Because <laughs> we, <laughs> we, no we had no idea what we're doing at that first first point, you know? We're like, just uh, we'll, we'll wing it, see what happens, you know? Um, and then my coach, it, we interviewed him later on in that, in that day. He was an old coach of mine. So we interviewed him, did the webinar. And then like two days later, we're like, wait a second. We got tons of engagement. This thing rocked. It was so much fun. Do we want to keep doing this? Of course we do. So the very next week we did another one. And now we're at 65 of these 12 hour marathons interviewing 350 people in the last year and a half. And it just keeps getting better. Oh my goodness. So now, wow. (laughs) That's just hard to think. So 65 marathons. Yeah. And what's interesting is like, it sounds crazy in a lot of ways, right? right? I mean, like it's just, it, it kind of is um, with, with how much time, but then if you put it in perspective, mm. like I do three day workshops that are oftentimes 10 or 12 hours a day. Yeah. And for the longest time I did those by myself. Now I have trainers and help and everything, but like I'll do th- three days in a row, 12 hours a day live with 50, hundred, 300 people in a room at a hotel. So why in the world couldn't we do the same thing mm lounging around on a couch or I'm not, you're not lounging, but (laughs) I mean, I don't know what you're, I can see your shirt. You might be in boxer shorts for all I know, know? (laughs) whatever. Don't show me, but like, you know, you're at home, you can do whatever you want. So was the first one, were you burned out? Pun unintended, Chris Burns, but were you burned out like energy wise or were you, and this is okay either way, but at the end of 12 hours, 13th hour in, are you like, Oh Done. my gosh. Fried. Oh, you revitalized. Fried. No, fried. Fried. <laughs> like, like energy management. Um, in the beginning, I was doing a lot of it on my own. My business partner was on the first one and I think a little bit of the second and third. And then after that, it was just me and then other guests who came on the show. So also in the beginning, I hadn't built up enough track record or systems to be able to bring in guests. So it was a lot of me generating new content on different hours and trying out a lot of different stuff, experimenting, seeing what works. You know, I think one of, one of them, I have a, I had these like light, light show gloves and I like turned off my lights and <laughs> did a light show. <laughs> See, the, the raving lessons have paid off. I knew I did this for a reason, Lord. So how did that one go? Was that pretty good engagement? Oh, no. It's terrible. They're like, you're on video, bro. We can't see you. (laughs) When... (laughs) I'm just imagining you on Facebook Live raving. Oh, with the hands. So good. Should we try that? I don't, no. I, don't I got to send away to Amazon. Not recommended. Not recommended. But let me ask you then on your first like handful of shows, did you do the format like you do now? Did you break down hour by hour, like 12 segments producing it like kind of 
Like if, yeah, if there was a yeah. 12 hour TV show, there'd be segments, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. We, we broke it down into, Hey, what's going to happen at, at each of these hours. And, um, it was, it was a little bit more, how's, what's the word I want to look for is like rigid and, and like difficult to, to manage. And, um, there's a lot of protocol that we went through in the beginning. And then as time has gone on, I've seen what people really want to hear in between the, the hour long interview slots, what people actually pay attention to and, you know, what I actually need to, needs to be said. Uh, and it's, it's definitely been minimized and focused more on who's the next guest that's coming up, focusing on, uh, we, we launched the podcast back in November of last year. So for a while it was just Facebook live. Oh, and so February 17, you do the Facebook live marathon yeah. and then you launch the actual podcast where, um, so now you take the interviews yep. and you, you'll segment them up, right? So if Correct. you have a, so you have, how many guests will you have on a 12 hour marathon? It's typically nine, nine guests up, up to nine guests. So the first hour is a zoom group coaching call. We do grounding, goal setting, visualization. It's kind of like, you know, your morning routine and, and habits and rituals. The next hour is one-on-one accountability coaching where people can set a task for the day that during uh you know, 10, what is it? 10 to 11 AM. And then they call back between eight and 9 PM during our celebration hour and say, Hey, here's what I accomplished today. Or here's what I didn't accomplish today. What I'll do differently next time. Wow. And then who, who can participate in that? Is it anyone who's going on the Facebook live or is that you said there was like a mastermind, like a zoom call for the first hour. Are those for people that are in your mastermind, but you actually broadcast it for the benefit of everyone else. Am yeah, I understanding that right? The, the first one is actually free. It's open to anyone. It's we okay. use a, a, a link, uh, the same link every week so that people can join onto that Wednesday 9am slot and come do the group coaching, or they can just do it from the comfort of the Facebook live. If they don't want to be uh, in person and broadcast it on to onto Facebook live so they can do it in the zoom room or on their own on Facebook. And then the, the next hour is just people call in via phone and I hold the phone up to the, to the microphone and allow them to, to hear the conversation. <laughs> I was going to ask you, I'm like, well, there's gotta be some like deep dive technology that they're <laughs> like, so I put it on speaker and that's it. Yeah. And that works. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It works. Great. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. Yeah. So the second hour you do that. So then you'll, so you, okay, that makes sense. So you eat up a couple of hours and not eat up is the wrong word, but you know, right. you, you use a couple of content hours by interacting and having a participation style thing. And then you'll start to have guests by the third hour, I'm assuming. Yep. Exactly. Yep. And then, and depending on how many guests you have booked and what the background is, do you yep. jump back in after like, if say so you have like in between every guest or will you after a couple of guests or three or four or five or something, you'll have like another hour with Chris or another hour with one of your people. So it depends on the, on the lineup. Um, depends on how many guests I get booked. Cause it's, as you can imagine, it's challenging to get nine guests on every week, every week, <laughs> every Wednesday live on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. And go ahead and plug your social media. So we know where to go for that. And I'll put it, you know, I'll talk about it again at the end in the show notes. Sure. sure. So uh, it's how Facebook. can we find out about this marathon? Facebook.com forward slash TH3 Burns. Like T is in Tom, H is in Henry, the number three, and then Burns. So that's my personal profile. I do it every Wednesday and you can go on there and uh, check it out. TH3. So like the Burns. The Burns. Th3. Exactly. exactly. Okay. <laughs> right. Remember the number three, everyone. All right. And we'll put that in there. TH3 Burns. So that's the the profile that'll broadcast and do yes. the 12 hour marathon. Yes. Awesome. And then what's the, the uh, podcast called? So the podcast is called Becoming Your Greatest Possible Self. The show used to be called um, Ideas Matter, Having Fun. I am having fun. So it's all about having fun and, <laughs> and spreading worthy ideas. You're a funny guy. <laughs> ideas matter, having fun. I am having fun. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's solid. <laughs> so we did that. We did that for an about, advertiser, man. You got great ideas. <laughs> we did that for about nine, nine months or so. And then I was like, ah, that's not as in integrity and alignment with me and, and what I'm committed to. And then I, I officially launched the podcast in November and I was like, Hey, it's, it's, this is becoming your greatest possible self, you know? And I, was, I changed the name, launched the podcast. And since then it's been thriving and growing and doing awesome. And now you can find out all things at beyourgps.com. GPS exactly. is a metaphor that also stands for greatest possible self. I love that. So beyourgps.com. Right. You can grab the podcast and you, and you have a podcast daily. Yes. Yes. Every day. That's every so day. cool. Yeah. So, so the, the, who we interview is leaders, role models, experts, people changing the world, people making a difference. And we've had former NFL athletes on, we've had artists, actors, actresses, business, uh, you know, business coaches, coaches of, of relationships. We've had successful entrepreneurs, all kinds of different people who are coming to share their wisdom. You know, we talked about wisdom in the beginning. I love talking about that wisdom, the life wisdom. What is the philosophies that have gotten people to where they are? And what is, what is the philosophy that's going to get you to where you want to go to get you to your greatest possible self? What do you have to change in your, in your mindset and your thinking, your perspective Mm -hmm. on reality? And I love that I get to, you know, dissect these people's mindsets to find out, Hey, what is it that actually sticks? What are the, what are the common patterns? And I love being the the analyst scientist in, in that aspect. It's a lot of fun. Well, and after 350 interviews, um, you know, you, you got to at some point see the patterns and be able to, to flow pretty easily. Have, do you yeah. feel like, speaking of greatest possible self, do you feel like you've grown as, an, as a host, as an interviewer, and in what ways? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 100%. You know, like, like anything you dedicate your time to for, for that long, you're going to grow. <laughs> you know, like if you're showing up and you have a, a genuine, sincere desire to grow, you're, you're going to yeah. grow. So for me, what I've learned more than anything is how to just go with the flow because there's been so many like technology challenges. There's been, you know, like all these things, people don't show up on time, whatever, blah, 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 blah. So for me, it's just like, how do I just have a great time and have fun regardless of what's happening around me? So that as a host, I've really grown in that aspect, but I've also really learned to listen to the, the question behind the question, the, the question behind the answer, something that's unsaid that someone didn't talk about and learning how and when to dive in to someone's response and to pause them. And for me, coming from a place of um, like more insecure and lacking confidence, and I'm still working on it. You know, I think it's like a, it's a lifelong journey to, to be working on that stuff. But when I started the show, I was really insecure about stopping people and interrupting people. And now I recognize that if, if there's something that calls to me that inspires me, or that's like, Hey, Chris, you should, you should stop them and dive into this. Um, and I've, I've done that multiple times and had people start crying, you know, and, and sharing like, like how, how the important thing to them, the, the moving thing to them that was behind it because I was listening to what was really important to someone. Man, that is awesome. Yeah. And there's like, like I, I've been studying as much as possible as of lately, at least, you know, the hosting thing. And I find it's really fascinating to toe the line between, you know, like we have to be the expert in a way because say like, you know, Hey, I have coaching clients and seminar students and I'm, I'm the one who, you know, I'm supposed to be teaching the, the information, mm-hmm. but then in the podcast world, I'm also hosting these people who are brilliant. Right. So there's this funny line between like, well, I don't just want to just host you and just have you do your spiel, your regular interview, like everybody else. Right. Um, I need to be able to, to have a legit conversation with you and I need to be able to put some feedback back in. Um, but without overshadowing anyone at the same time, it's a, exactly. it's a funny dance. It's an, art. It? it's an art, dude. It is. But you've gotten a lot better at it. Yeah. 
Well, I can tell too, you've also, I can tell you're a great guest because, you know, like you, you'll pause naturally, right? And, and you're like, <laughs> yeah, so there, and there's my sound bite and there's something that was really useful. Yeah. And then you kind of wait and it's like, oh, go back in. And, and we have this, you, you got to have that, that dance back and forth. Um, who are some of your favorite guests you've had on the marathon? Like if people go back to be your GPS.com and go in your archives, I'm assuming you have archives available yep. um, on yep. iTunes and, and wherever else. I'm sure you're everywhere. Yeah. Um, who are some of your favorite guests that stick out in your mind that, that you had an interview or you, you learned something, you heard something that you may not have expected, right? Mm. Yeah. So one of my favorites was Robert Riappel. And Robert Riappel is a trainer for Success Resources America. I've spoken to you know hundreds sure. of thousands of people in, in his career, and he he always talked about success leaves a clue. You know, like it leaves a clue for you to to discover about. And I, I felt like his his ability to per, uh, portray the information, convey the information, was so concise and precise about his wisdom. And for me, it's like I love hearing the the same thing that I've always heard, but in a new way that gets me to understand it in a different way. And he really had that ability for me to, to hear about success. And he was, I think he was like one of the first uh, 15 or I think it was the third or fourth interview on becoming your greatest possible self on, on the official podcast launch. So he was, he was back in the beginning. He was super, super awesome. So I loved him. And then I think um, another one who just came on recently was Yost Jansen. And Yost is a uh, former NF or former Navy SEAL. And he talked about like just all the, the hardship and the difficulty he had to go through to be able to, to persevere through that. And for me, I'm always, I'm always wondering like, what, what am I really made of? What, right. who, who is Chris Burns really? And what, what are the limits that I've constructed in my own mind? And what are my actual limits as a, as a body, as a physical, you know, flesh bag kind of thing. And just hearing all the, the adversity that he went through, like, like, I think he, he tore a, a ligament in his neck. So one of the exercises he, he was doing, he had to like, he had to hold his, his neck up, his head up with his hand and carry like a, well, while, while he was carrying the raft over them, they have to carry the raft out into the ocean. He had to carry his, his, uh, his head and his face with one hand and then carry the raft with the other hand because he had torn that ligament in his neck. Oh my gosh. And and like, it's like, how far could I carry a raft with no torn ligaments? You know what I mean? <laughs> Not very far. Oh, dude, that, 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 that is awesome. Well, definitely you owe it to yourself to get out and, um, and check out the marathon, um, yes. follow them on Facebook as well as, uh, grab the individual podcast segments and everything. Um, couple of things I'd like to pivot to as we come to the twilight of the interview, if that's all right with you. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, cause I know I want to honor your time. We're coming to that time. Okay. I want to pick your brain on the, the business side behind that a little bit. So you, sure. you had mentioned when you started doing the marathons 18 months ago that you were doing a lot of coaching and mm -hmm. a lot of one-on-one. -on -one. Mm -hmm. um, what has been, and you don't need to, to you know, divulge numbers necessarily or specifics. You can do whatever you want. Um, no, no live pressure, right? but you can if you want. Um, let's talk about revenue streams though. So you found a way to, to monetize this in different ways. Um, what's maybe one of the top one or two strategies or how has this impacted your, the coaching business from where it was 18 months ago to where it is today? What's the difference by having this, this marathon marketing slash fulfillment slash value drip, you know, everything you're doing, yeah. um, how has it impacted you as far as revenue goes or clientele? How's it yeah. going? Yeah. So back when I was first starting, um, leads were scarce, right? I had to do a lot of like hunting, so to speak, in terms of finding people whose problems I could solve. Now, over time, my marathon has been more of a beacon 
where people see the marathon, they see the podcast episodes and they're like, wow, Chris, I love your stuff. I love what you're sharing about. So it's added huge credibility in that aspect in terms of people saying, oh wow, he has a podcast. And so I've gotten multiple clients just because they saw me or heard me on the podcast. So that's super, super awesome. Um, in terms of like my pricing, it stayed pretty consistent since, since I started just because I started myself off at a premium, uh, as a premium service. You know, I, I don't think it's, it's, uh, I don't think it's wise to try to be a commodity to try to, you know, compete with people on price. So I, I definitely have stayed at that premium level just because that's who I represent myself as and who I want to attract as well. The type of clients I want to attract. So coaching has grown. Also, I started a mastermind. I was able to just a general kind of uh, performance mastermind, entrepreneurship, influencer mastermind. And so I started that in back in February. So that was another stream of revenue that I was able to start up because of the marathon. I invited multiple guests who had come on the marathon. So because I had interviewed them, they saw me as more, more credible and there's a better rapport them better rapport there for them to want to work with me and sign up for the mastermind. So that was another one. And then the other thing is I'm starting this, I started charging for guests to come on my show too, which is super cool. That's another way to, to monetize. Um, and then the other thing oh, is I'm starting, thought. hang on. Yeah. So, so depending on maybe like the, the guest, the credibility, the platform, what, mm-hmm. what the value they're bringing. Exactly. So if you had somebody who maybe has a large platform, you'd invite them to come on but maybe someone hasn't built that yet and they're wanting to get the visibility themselves. So right. you can, it's similar to a sponsorship to a live event. Like if I, if, so, if you said, I want to come speak at your event, mm-hmm. I go, great. Well, what, you know, what's the platform you have that'll help us with it. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have one, you could always sponsor, have a table and, and get time. That's right. brilliant. Okay. So yeah. you have kind of a sponsorship model on there as part yep. of it. Yep. And then just to recap, you also said one of the biggest things was just with visibility, credibility, and yes. prestige. Yes. When people see you there, they're more likely to, to view you as a potential coach. And if they're looking yep. for a coach, now you're on the radar, yep. right? Yep. Um, and then obviously you said, keep it as a premium pricing, which I fully agree with. Yeah. Um, decide where you want to compete <laughs> mm-hmm. and then go there right away. You know, if you want to be Walmart, go be Walmart. If you want to be Tiffany's, go be Tiffany's, whatever you want. Um, man, that is, that is, uh, that is really cool. So you find more clients from it. Yep. You have more visibility, credibility. Mm-hmm. Um, and then certainly you can charge some of the guests if, uh, if that would help them with their visibility platform. And then was there another piece too? Yeah. Yeah. One of the other things that I am committed to is growing our 12 hour marathon. So I thought, yeah. how, how do I grow this? How do I get more reach? How do I get better guests? How do I make more money? Well, why don't I start a group of people who are specifically focused on those three things, you know, getting better guests, expanding their reach and earning more money with their show. So we're starting a marathon mastermind where we're going to be sharing the best information that we've got and and combining about 20 people to share their wisdom and run different experiments on what they're doing with their show to try to grow their show and Ooh. having, having a, like an incubator, so to speak of people's shows to be able to start and grow an online show. We're going to help people get clear on their purpose, why they're doing it, what they want the show to look like. And then the whole process from starting to growing it as big as they want to get it. So super so excited about so that. Th- would this be like a, a second mastermind community then? Exactly. exactly. Okay. Yeah. And, and, just so, cause I want to qualify myself as well as anyone listening to the podcast. I want, they're probably trying to qualify and go, is this something for me or not? Mm-hmm. Are you, is the second mastermind group primarily people who are wanting to kind of launch into having a show in that kind of space, or is yeah. it someone that has been doing it and you're more of that high level mastermind together as you bring ideas? I just yeah. want to make sure that I, I heard it correctly. 
Great question. So I would say it's it's someone who's ready to launch their show or knows that they want to, and they're just like, what are the steps, right? So that person, as well as the person who's already been doing it for a while, because what we're going to do inside the mastermind is cross-promoting and helping people share each other's shows, as well as sharing what are the best ideas. So for someone, let's say, who's at 10,000 downloads a month on their show, who's been doing it for a while, probably someone who's, who's at like 100,000 downloads a month is not, not necessarily going to be the best fit for this mastermind. Definitely sure. more, more towards the beginning. Um, yeah. But still, if you've had a track record, you can give back to your, your community to contribute in that aspect. And then once people are caught up and launching their shows within the first month or two, then after that, we're, we're all basically on the same page in terms of, hey, what are we doing to be able to grow our show? What are the top techniques, the strategies to be able to grow it? And think about it, if you're experimenting or trying to think and brainstorm on your own, you're one person. But if you have 20 other people in, this, in a group who are all sharing the experiments, what's working, the data of that, then you're going to grow a lot faster. You're going to have that, that empirical knowledge of what actually works. Dude, that is brilliant. I love yeah. that. Yeah. Um, what's next for you, man? Dude, <laughs> <laughs> don't you love that question? I hate yes. it. I'm like, what? I'm like, what's what's not next? You know, <laughs> right? Infinite possibilities. So one of the things that I see is um, this marathon. You know, 350 guests. One of the things I wanted to mention about the the monetization. Right. Yeah. I've been doing this this show for a while, and it's definitely increased our revenue. And I don't believe the the majority of the benefit of what I've been doing has really come to bear. the The fruits have not even come close to being you know ripened and harvested yeah. from all of the efforts and the relationships that I'm building absolutely from, from doing this. So for anyone who's listening, like think of the long term because I'm giving massive, massive value. I didn't start charging for people to come on my, get, um, on my show until about a month and a half ago. So that was, you know, August, oh, wow. August. Okay, so this uh, this is a new kind of a, a shift idea totally. now that you've established the brand and the platform totally. as it is, which makes totally. perfect sense too. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that long-term focus is, is huge for me. Um, what I see in my future is growing this marathon mastermind, being able to be responsible for creating community where people are, are leveraging their time, their money and energy to impact hundreds of thousands, millions of people collectively in this mastermind. And I'm so stoked about that. I'm so stoked about that leverage. I'm so stoked to be representing that tribe of people who's so committed, who's so focused, who's willing to do like whatever it takes as long as it takes within integrity and ethics and all that good stuff, of course. But like, is that driven and is that visionary of making an impact on the world? So that's, that's something I'm really proud to be a part of and build that tribe. But another thing that we got going on is uh, our, our event called Inspire Greatness. And what this event is going to be doing, and we don't have a timeline for it yet. We're building out the, the projections. We're, you know, we got the what's next. Yeah, exactly. So what's next? So um, getting together the top celebrities, motivational speakers, and inspirational figures around the world to come into a single room for a VIP exclusive type of event where people can come be inspired with people like Oprah and Tony Robbins and, you know, all these amazing human beings in one room. So I see success resources or, you know, different companies out there who are doing this, bringing together people, Richard Branson, and all these amazing people mm -hmm. in this, in one room. Why not me? Why not me with my reputation, with my credibility, with my, you know, vision and inspire them and enroll them and sell them into saying, Hey, you will get so much more reach. You'll get so much fulfillment. It'll be a joy and a pleasure to come work with us, come into our camp. Dude, that's such a great, and, and I love how you said 
if someone's going to do it, why not me? Yeah. I think that's, that's the question I'm taking away from this entire time together is, is awesome as so much of it has been. If we can just ask that question, right? Mm -hmm. If I want to do something, it's always, Oh, but you know, I'm not ready to do that. Someone's going to do it. If not you, then who, right? Why not me? I love that. Chris, final question as we, as we wrap up, man, um, I can't wait to catch up with you uh, when I'm back in California at the next conference convention or uh, I'm not going surfing in San Diego, but I'm sure we'll, we'll hang out at some point when I'm down there. Uh, final question. If you could go back and change anything from your past, uh, what would you change or would you leave it all the same? You know, I think that's a trick question. <laughs> Isn't it though? Um, like if, if I could change something in the past and have everything I have now and more then I would do it. If not, then I would leave it the same. So what I would change if I did change anything, um, would be my, my ability to just like go all out in terms of getting as much rejection as I possibly can to build up my, my self image and my self worth, you know, as fast as possible from, from, you know, the age of, of 13, 14, 15 to start businesses, to start ventures back then. That's the one thing that I would change because I, I still feel like I'm dealing, dealing with that, like the self image, the self worthiness, the self confidence. So if there was one thing I would change, that would be it. And caveat is that, you know, I don't know if I would have the woman of my dreams now. I don't know if I would be the, the loving, respectful, um, you know, nurturing, kind, but also driven and focused and powerful human being that I am today if I had made those choices. I think, you know, something that happens when you, when you have a lot of uh, resources or power early on is it can go to a, a young person's head. And I'm grateful that it's been a very, a very difficult, challenging, str struggle-filled journey without tons of, you know, glamour and prosperity early on. It's been hard freaking work, man. <laughs> and I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful for it because it's molded me into the man I am today. So in truth, standing where I am right now, this moment is everything. It's perfect. And I'm always looking for the gift. And uh, there's so many gifts to be found. And the future is, is wide open. It, the, it, the possibilities are infinite. So I would choose this, this moment and this reality. So the strategic answer is I wouldn't change a thing because I wouldn't be me. Right. But the hard answer is, <laughs> I'm going to paraphrase, I'd give up the fear of rejection earlier. Yeah. yeah. Fair to say? Yep. Awesome. Chris, it has been a pleasure, brother. And uh, looking forward to seeing you again soon. Thanks so much. Thanks, Matt. Hey, my thanks to Chris Burns. Man, you, my brother, are a legend. Thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for sharing your wisdom with us. Um, man, I'm, I'm so glad to finally share this interview uh, with you guys. Chris is so cool. Um, remember, if you didn't already see this in the show notes, but you can follow Chris at Facebook at TH3Burns. So kind of like the Burns, <laughs> Chris Burns, but the E is a three. So Facebook is TH3Burns, and his Instagram is BeYourGPS. That's B-E-B-Your-G-P-S. And you can check out, uh, he's got some free gifts for you as well if you want to check those out. Um, so worth it. And if you're into, again, like, uh, you know, positive encouragement, um, setting your goals, intentions, accountability, you know, if you're really, like, into that kind of the, the productive life, and I'm sure you are if you're listening to this, he has a couple of really cool gifts. He, I think he, he talked about a couple um, a little bit in the interview, but I want to make sure you understand what he has as of today as well. He has a statement of purpose goal worksheet. And if you go to burnitupcoaching.com, 
slash free gift. And you can find that if you go to burnedupcoaching.com, but hit burnedupcoaching.com slash free gift. And there's a statement of purpose goal worksheet. And there's also an accountability statement uh, as both of them are free PDF downloads. And this is really cool. So if you, and he's got a few other things too. He has like, um, like manifestation checks. So you can download a really cool uh, image of a check uh, and write a check for a number to yourself and put it up on your wall. Like, you know, if, if you love that kind of thing, um, and, and I do, I think, you know, it's, it's so cool to, to give a positive affirmation and to put into practice, you know, the things. Um, so he has these checks in his website and you can download the check templates for free. And, um, I have a story about that too. You know, when I was 17, I wrote a check, a real check from a little student savings account I had or a checking account, but it was a student account at Bank of America. Um, not shout out to Bank of America. I, I hate that bank. Um, so sorry, they're not going to sponsor, but I do like many other banks. So we can talk about those once I get them to sponsor. But nonetheless, my point is I had a Bank of America checking account, student account. I wrote a check for a million dollars to my mom. And I said, mom, when I'm 25, you can cash this. And I remember thinking to myself, I want to retire at 25. And if I'm going to retire at 25, which thank God I didn't, but if I'm going to, uh, I need to be a millionaire, quote unquote. And if I'm a millionaire, that means I have a million dollars. And, and, you know, I didn't really do the math, but it seemed to work at the time. So long story short, when I was 25, almost 26 years old, a couple months shy of my birthday, it was October, actually, uh, two months before I turned 26. And I added up my net worth and I found out that between real estate and investments and checking accounts and cash value of vehicles and just literally I added everything I had and I did a net sheet and it was a million dollars and 86,000. I was blown away and I didn't think about it then. But a year or two later, like literally a year or two later, I looked back and all of a sudden that I remember that memory. My mom told me about that and she had it up on the kitchen uh, calendar board area. And I wrote my mom a check for a million dollars. And I said, I'm going to have a million dollars or be a millionaire by the time I'm 25. And before I turned 26, I had achieved that. It's insane. And I don't say that to brag by any stretch because the truth is a couple years later, I was bankrupt. I had lost it all in investments uh, or, you know, in, in, during the real estate crash. And I had to build myself back up again in a different business. But the point of that isn't you know, the whole story. I'm always open to share the whole story. The point is this manifestation stuff, you know, when, when you, you know, really all it means is when you're focusing on something that is what you want, it's a goal, it's an outcome, and you're accountable to it. It's about focus and accountability. And, you know, there, there's nothing mystical or magical about it. If you focus on something that you want, your brain is more likely to move towards the thing you want to get. And if you set yourself up with accountability partners and accountability systems like Chris does, um, you're also more likely to get it and, and, and keep it. So check those all out. All right, that's it for me for the close here. Uh, remember, it's burnedupcoaching.com slash free gift. You can get a statement of purpose goal worksheet. You can get accountability statement as a free PDF download. It's all there uh, with Chris Byrne. So thanks again, Chris. Guys, uh, thank you. I hope you had, again, an awesome, awesome Easter. Thanks for listening in episode 118. We're getting out there. If you haven't already, this sounds crazy, but maybe you're new to the show. I don't know. Um, most of our shows have been under 30 minutes, just to give you a perspective. I did this interview with Chris a few months back, and I finally, I, this was the time, I think, you know, with, with Easter Sunday, when we have such a great story of, of redemption and, and overcoming our past. So I wanted to share that with you this week. 
So this is, excuse me, get some water. This is a little longer episode than usual. Normally, you can expect about a 30-minute episode, um, and those are the ones, of course, that'll be in your car on AM, FM across the country, as well as on Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, iHeart, Google Play. So subscribe wherever you subscribe. And if you wouldn't mind, I sure would love to go uh, to leave a rating and review. We really appreciate that. And I'm going to start doing, you know, shouting out some some reviews. When you leave a review on iTunes, I'm going to pick some, you know, reviews of the week and, you know, add those in here and there and um, and have some fun with it. So have some fun with you guys. Follow me on social media at Matt Browning. That's it for this week. As usual, get out there, crush it, and I'll see you twice a week every week. So I'll see you next Friday. <laughs>